Let's right. do this. Let's do this. <clears throat> Big moment, guys. <sighs> Welcome to Bench Reactions After, After Dark. <laughs> Nailed it. Dang it. Dang it. <laughs> Is that actually a. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. If you listened to the pod from this weekend, you might have thought they spent about 45 minutes talking about Barbie on their last pod. <laughs> and then Barbie and Oppenheimer came out and they didn't talk about it at all. That's because we are saving it for a special Bench Reactions After, after Dark. After Dark. After <laughs> Dark. <laughs> oh my gosh we, we, we're finally here it's it's time for the takes to fly on the moment that saved the movies post-covid in 2023 you thought tom cruise did it nope it was a, a combination of mattel and <laughs> florence few <laughs> and, um and killian murphy and christopher nolan um so guys uh i guess we talked about potentially talking about jalen brown's contract extension on this bench reactions after dark too i feel like i feel like we missed the news cycle on that um yeah yeah let's just say let's let's just use my segue which was uh you think jalen brown's making a lot of money you know who's making a lot of money (laughs) the american box office movies biggest Box office opening weekend, I think, in like 15 years because of our saviors, Mr. <laughs> Giddy, the Giddy, the Barbie, oh my gosh. <laughs> and Oppenheimer. Uh, guys, so we're going to start with Barbie because I know this world is just aching, itching to hear the takes of three uh, <laughs> mid, mid, mid-30s white cis males on, <laughs> about this movie. Let's start with Dan. Dan's the biggest Barbie promoter uh, this side of the Mississippi. The guy who uh, who just thought Barbie was going to be about infinity for whatever reason. He found religion Um, as a result of watching this movie. He is the the one on this podcast who's seen it twice. Let's go. What mm -hmm. do you got for us, Dan? All right. Well, just, you know, in terms of infinity and finding religion – We'll say Barbie did meet God at the end of the movie, so I want to say that I was, uh, you know, kind of right about that. Wait, right. her gynecologist was God? <laughs> I certainly hope not. <laughs> the good news is I haven't seen the movie, so I have no idea what you guys are talking about. It sounds great. Oh, though. great, <laughs> great. You're, it's gonna, you're so too bad. You're gonna, it's gonna get spoiled. Hey. All right, one word to start my review: pink. This movie was pink and actually a lot of fun visually and that's actually the real word so you know i know i know i led with pink but really this movie was fun it was just like a hoot it was so fun to see like margot robbie act like barbie for you know two hours and and honestly like like i know the movie was like barbie feminism blah 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 but really this movie was about ken like Ryan Gosling, <laughs> yes. spoken, spoken like a true white <laughs> cis male. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, dude, I'm here for the Kennergy. Ryan Gosling was more than enough in this movie. I understand. And as Jason so aptly put in our group text earlier, he committed to the bit and has stayed committed to the bit the entire time. What an absolute legend. Um, okay, so on to my actual review of the movie very very quickly again as a white (laughs) mid-30s cis male very important to talk about how this movie made me feel since clearly i was the demographic that they were going for um so it was it was different than i thought obviously i knew that greta was gonna you know like feminize and everything and apparently she patriarchied as well but we'll get there um i actually thought and i i was so the first part of the movie, right, is about Barbie, and she's like, oh, are you, like, do you ever think about dying? I thought it was going to be a movie about how, like, she finds, like, her humanity, right? Like, she's a doll, and she finds her humanity, 
And when she like gets out of Barbie land and she's like in the real world and she sits down on the bench and she sees all these people experiencing emotion and she's experiencing emotion and she sees the old lady. I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, like I, I get it. Right. Where she's, she's, she's a doll and she's learning what it's like to be a human. And then all of a sudden smash cut patriarchy, everything about that. And honestly, it felt like a different movie from that point forward. Not that that was a bad movie, but it was just a different movie. It wasn't, what I was expecting where I thought I was going to go. And I did think that that part was like kind of disjointed, very, very funny, right? It was hilarious seeing Ryan Gosling just do like Ryan Gosling stuff. Right. He just like be like, Oh, I'm going to go read this book about trucks and all this stuff and, and, and all types of all, all types of things there. Um, I thought it was hilarious when they were talking about the different types of like men how to distract men you ask them the different questions like oh like <laughs> what is the godfather about how do i yeah i got burnt money? i got <laughs> burnt <laughs> oh there were so many so many men got burnt with that one especially with the godfather you're like oh i see myself in this picture and i don't like it <laughs> yeah basically they in order to like take barbie land back from the men they have to distract them by like acting like they don't know stuff so the men will explain things to them <laughs> <laughs> so that when the while the men are explaining things to them, they can sneak around behind their back and take the Supreme Court and the Constitution back. It's it's a real, real 2023 post uh, post row overturn movie. Um, yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah, which was like again, <laughs> white mid 30s cis male take incoming. I found that part of the movie like ah, like it was it was fine. Like it wasn't it wasn't anything surprising um i actually did i did like uh america ferrera's character had a really nice monologue in kind of the tail end of that section about um the difficulties of navigating being a woman i thought that that was was a really really nice moment and very very empathetic um in in that way and again just really funny of a funny uh, takes like on on the patriarchy and and all that stuff, right? Also, weirdly, horses got lumped in with the patriarchy. That was like very. I, Anyone I, who watches Thirty Rock <laughs> understands that because <laughs> of how often Alec Baldwin is just talking, or Jack Donaghy is talking about how much he loves paintings of horses. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a part. It's a part of the patriarchy. It's men and horses running men things. And, men and horses just running all types of stuff. <laughs> and then seriously so i feel like that part of the movie ended and again um interesting I, honestly I, I don't know how to say it other than like interesting interesting choice at the end to be like oh ken realizes that he doesn't have to be like a part of barbie it was like its own again it was like almost another movie what's the what's the rewatchables category for like person in their own movie you mean like uh, yeah? I, you mean you mean like uh, the the overacting award or like no the... no no it's 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 no that that's the saw you gotta give me all you got that there's right. that one, but, the, but then there's the one where it's like the there's the actor everybody else is in the movie together and then there's like one actor or actress who is like in their own movie and that was definitely Dude. Ryan Gosling and Ken. Yeah, I can. I just saw your camera flash down to what you're wearing, and I feel like you're just really bringing the energy right now. Are you wearing? Do you have sleeves right now? Are you Me? wearing a sleeveless shirt? I know. Okay, I, I thought you were wearing a sleeveless shirt. That I was really excited about that, dude. I am definitely thinking about cutting the arms off of my denim jacket, though. That's I have a hundred no doubt about it. About, yeah. Why well, you? What? Well, are you in your Mojo Dojo Casa house right now? I am definitely in my Mojo Dojo Casa <laughs> house, which is exclusively what I'll be referring to my abode as from now on. Look, I I will say I sent you guys a text the day of where I had a little bit of like a crisis of faith where I was like, oh, yeah, y'all, I kind of <laughs> think Barbie's going to be bad <laughs> after we did all that hyping up of it, um, which is the perfect way for me to go into the movie because... I think if I had gone into it thinking it was going to be 2001 A Space Odyssey, aka the, the movie it references at the beginning, <laughs> I would have been I would have been like pretty disappointed. But um, but I went in with the right expectations and laughed just by laughed my head off. 
felt things, you know, mm-hmm. look, just, mm-hmm. just, just paid attention to the reactions of the woman sitting next to me and tried to, you know, inhabit her skin to some extent. <laughs> and, and, you know, not in like a silence of the lambs way, but in a, like, oh my uh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, for real, people. for real, just lots of great jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, Lots of I love the meta stuff. There's some really meta stuff, some voiceover by Helen oh, Mirren, which would come in fantastic. right at the right moment and comment <laughs> on the on the limitations of the movie itself by being like, if we really tried to make this point, we wouldn't have cast Margot Robbie. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that part was great, great jokes. Great jokes. But um let's uh let let's let's give a little few closing closing thoughts on this, this film before we move on to the, the main course here. Um, how, how, what was your uh, screening of Barbie like Dan? Were there, were, were the women uh, out in force in the pink and the dresses and the, and the getups and everything? Yep, absolutely. It was very pink men and women <clears throat> pink. My sisters, I went with my sisters and they were, they were very dressed up in pink as well. Um, yeah, I'm trying to th- yeah, watching it was fun being with my sisters like watching the movie as well because it just it hit all the beats for them for sure, especially the America Ferrera um monologue there like in, yeah. in the middle, but then also just different things like both of both of my sisters were like oh Greta just doesn't have happy endings in her movies and they were like oh, they didn't think the ending of Barbie was like very happy, which I thought was interesting. Um, that, that is interesting um, mm-hmm. because it it like wraps everything up or whatever, but it doesn't resolve the questions. Um, no, which I think is I think is part of the part of the message of the movie is that in the real world, these right. questions are still out there about what women can do to um, stop having these unrealistic expectations for themselves and. Um, mm-hmm. And in general, how just human beings can find their place uh, and not in relation to each other, but um, when it comes to who they are um, on their own, being an individual. Um, I, I thought that was what the, the, the mm-hmm. Ken message was at the end, which was um, no gender um, or group of people should be relegated to defining themselves by who they're not. Or like right. by uh, by the other gender or by the other whatever, right? Um, mm-hmm. yep. We all have to find ourselves, and it basically basically the message I think at that point was men go to therapy, you know, <laughs> or everyone go to therapy, um, which I, I co-sign hardcore. Um, so here's my segue. Um, so Barbie, uh, we have already found out, has, is about to unleash a ripple effect on our life. Um, because Barbie has been so successful that they're going to make a movie about every toy uh, that's ever been made, and they're going to try to make it like Barbie, and it's going to be terrible. And at some point, we're going to so have bad. to pun. We're going to have to punish Greta Gerwig for this, um, <laughs> and that leads us into the, what the people really want to hear: white cis males talk about. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Okay. Very, very quickly, I'm gonna, I'll tie a bow on my on my Barbie thoughts, um, and that is there's a movie about Ryan Gosling and a doll called Lars and the Real Girl. So, oh Barbie, yeah, Barbie is my second favorite movie about Ryan Gosling and a doll. Great, <laughs> is that? And also, very quickly, I think it's funny that at the end of the day, this was just a kind of a huge native ad for Barbie. So like, like a huge native ad for Nattel, for Mattel. Yeah, the movie is so Nutella? crazy in that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mattella? Yeah. Nutella. Mattella is Nutella. when you melt your Barbie and you spread her on toast and then you eat her. Oh toast. <laughs> toasty, toasty. Sorry to ruin the segue, but I wanted to. I wanted no, that's to okay. A parting shots. Barbie is my second favorite movie that involves Ryan Gosling hanging out in Los Angeles. There you go. There it is. Go, Sebastian. Get it, Sebastian. Uh, oh, so good. You know that Barbie has already, uh, as of tonight, supposedly has already made more money than La La Land. Are you serious? That's a, I haven't even seen the movie, and that's a travesty. It's wild, man. <laughs> Um, good for the women. Look, we support yes. women. We believe yep. women. 
Yep. When they tell us this movie is a map, the the women think this movie is like The Shining. Is like 2001: A Space Odyssey. The Shining. (laughs) And I, and I, as an ally, as a feminist, support them. But let's be real. Oppenheimer is better. So let's talk about Oppenheimer. (laughs) Dude, Oppenheimer. Blue, like when when in, in Barbie when they're like, oh, do you want me to explain the Godfather? I want to explain Oppenheimer to like everybody I meet, uh, every like, woman, like, yeah, every every single woman. I want to sit down and be like, let me talk through every single scene of this eighty-hour movie. Okay, so let's talk about that for a sec because I've had a couple people tell me, oh, it felt felt really long. I did not feel that way. I was completely Dude. engrossed the entire mm-hmm. three hours from start to finish. Yeah, my back never hit the back of the seat the second mm. time. Uh, yeah, let me yeah. let me let me talk about my experience a little bit. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. So I did the I did Barbenheimer opening night. I did Barbie at four p.m. And this is just a way for me to just wax poetic about how awesome it is that we have like a movie moment going on. Like this movie's had a moment last week, and it's just it it was like the coolest thing happening in the country. Um, and, and like, it's the closest thing we have to monoculture, which is so cool. Um, so I did Barbie at four shout out Michael Piotr, my one friend that did the whole thing with me. Um, me and my, me and him and, uh, another female friend saw Barbie at four. We got out of that about six forty-five seven. We, uh, we drove to a place and ate hot pot for about two hours, which was sick. Shout out hot pot place in Broomfield. Colorado. Um, and then we watched Oppenheimer at 945 with another couple friends. Um, and unfortunately we started Oppenheimer at nine at, well, the movie started at like 1005 because it was so cool because, uh, Oppenheimer was in, you know, uh, 70 millimeter, which is different than all the previews. So they couldn't figure out the sound mixing between the movie and the previews. So they just didn't play previews. Um, they didn't play the trailers. They were just they. Came, someone came out at nine forty five and was like, "We're not going to have trailers today. We can't figure out the sound." Wait, so you saw it in the seven. You saw the seventy. Yes, not not IMAX seventy millimeter, just seventy millimeter. Um, there were only how many theaters in the U.S. were able to show it in like a hundred. Mo- well, so there were a lot of theaters that showed it in seventy millimeter, but not in oh. IMAX seventy millimeter, which is okay. the specific way you're supposed to see it. So um, seventy millimeter was. Um, was super cool, but again, no trailers. So it starts right at ten oh five. So it's going until like one something. Um, I had just eaten a very large meal. Uh, I was at the end of a long day of work. Thursdays are my worst day uh, of court, and so I just did not have the requisite like uh, energy, energy, you might say, to you like fell asleep. Didn't you? Uh, I, so I didn't think I fell asleep. I did not think I fell asleep. No. I watched I watched the whole movie. I got to the end. I was like, oh, this was so cool. Like really, you know, I really enjoyed this, but I like I feel like I don't totally get everything. <laughs> um so then on Sunday I watched it in IMAX. And I'm just gonna say, I think if you're picking between IMAX and 70 millimeter, you gotta pick IMAX, I think. Um obviously if you can do the combination, that's that's what you wanna do if you live in LA or New York or Chicago, supposedly. Um, but when I watched it in IMAX on Sunday, one, I figured out that there were like a couple like scenes that I missed um, <laughs> the first time. Um, and two, yeah, the, the, the back never hit the seats. And this was, it came out on Thursday. This was on Sunday and it, Sunday at like 2.30 PM in the afternoon, every seat in the theater was packed every single seat. And it was just a huge theater. Um, and it was it was wild, but I it felt like it was ninety minutes long, like yeah that time. It's it, oh yeah, it's undeni- it's undeniable when you watch it in IMAX. Just it just whipped by. So Pat, yeah. since you didn't get to talk about Barbie much, uh, clear give, give us your oppie give us yeah, your oppie experience. Out. Yeah. So first off, I just want to say I so I saw it at seven p.m. on Friday night. It obviously, came out on Thursday, yeah. but I had been looking forward to this for a very long time. We bought our tickets like six weeks in advance, got great seats. And 
just talking about like the theater experience in general, obviously for the last few years, for the most part, my experience has been you go, typically not every seat is taken. The theater is not dead, but not necessarily booming. When I say this theater was booming, like it was insane. This is the most people I've seen in a movie theater in, I don't even, I, I can't even remember how long. The line for the concessions was packed with pink and packed with people in general. So I saw it in IMAX and it felt like we had like 45 minutes of previews, um, which was not great. There was a preview for uh, some Exorcist movie, which just put me in a weird headspace. <laughs> no, that one was gnarly. That one was gnarly. It was. So I was like, um, I was like, oh, Leslie Odom Jr. I love him. This will be this will be great. And then I was like, oh my gosh, what's happening here? Anyway, yeah, well, um, yeah. When does he start singing? We're waiting for like, him to start like, singing. Oh, Aaron Burr, sir. <laughs> and he was like, no, I gotta save my daughter from having this exorcism. It was creepy, creepy AF. Anyway, so you know, I, I, the, the movie itself. A, a few thoughts. Killian is a god, first and foremost. Hashtag Killian Hive. I'm, I'm coming for the president job uh, with the Killian Hive. Just an absolutely incredible performance. I, I like. I know he's going to get obviously Oscar buzz. I, I hope that he wins it for best actor. We'll see what happens. I, I, in my opinion, he's more than deserving. I think this dude has been underrated for a very long time. Those of you that have watched Peaky Blinders have known. Um, you know, I would say those of us that have watched that that even watched like you know Batman Begins and Inception have known for a long time. But I, I think he's going to hopefully get his shine. Um, I would say the acting in general was just like incredible, top notch, amazing. Um, it's like the Avengers. It's like the Dude. Avengers of actors, man. Well, like so many cameos. I was like, oh, Casey Affleck. Oh, Gary Oldman. Uh, Gary Oldman. Like this is well, what? I like obviously they, Matt Damon was incredible. Robert Downey Jr. was incredible. Emily Blunt, Florence Pugh. I'm all of them. Like just amazing performances across the board. Can't say enough good things about Chris no Christopher Nolan's you know, storytelling ability, the fact that you start the movie and it's like nonstop for the full three hours, the cuts back and forth. It felt a little bit disjointed at the beginning, but, and Jay, I had a similar experience to you where I was like two and a half hours into the movie. And I'm like, I don't understand this, this Robert Downey Jr. Killian Murphy dynamic here. Like what's going on. And again, the fact that he, like he always does, he pulled it together perfectly and tied a freaking bow on it. Um, was amazing. And then the last thing I will say is the bomb scene was <laughs> watching that in IMAX. When I say like, you could have literally heard a pin drop in the theater. It was completely silent. Everyone was completely locked in on the screen. And the second the sound started, I was like, I'm going to poop my pants. First off, it like shook me <laughs> to the freaking core. Um, but that scene was just like unbelievable. The the again, Dude. just the yeah. Oh. I let me just say uh, for the people that are listening, we're just going to spoil the ever loving crap yeah, out of this. So hopefully <laughs> you've seen the movie. This. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but spoiler warning, spoiler warning. Um, <laughs> the people behind me, while the trailers were playing, were like, so they were like th this group of people who had obviously hadn't seen the movie yet because they were like oh my gosh, these trailers are so loud. Like, uh, they were they were like, man, that bomb scene is going to like make our ears bleed. But it's so cool and subversive because it doesn't. Because it's actually somehow the quietest scene in the movie. Um, the, the music isn't as loud or as oh. sharp. The sound, when the, and when the bomb goes off and the sound doesn't happen and then it, and then it comes delayed, it's just in just incredible just incredible um yeah dan wax just just go off king oh man i don't even know where to start um so i'll talk about so i saw it twice um i saw it on uh i saw it on saturday and then i saw it on sunday i didn't do imax which in retrospect was pretty dumb but i but still in in the theater itself it was fantastic right obviously not the same extent but it was it was a phenomenal phenomenal viewing experience and same sort of thing where the first time i saw it i had a little bit of a tough time tracking everything but still tied it all up at the end 
And I remember after I saw it the first time, I was like, oh, that moved a little slow. But when I saw it the second time, I was just like, I was completely hooked, just completely enraptured. And it was, it was fantastic. Um, one thing I noticed on this, on the, on the second time around, how much like memento it is, there's a color narrative, there's a black and white narrative. And then the last scene of the movie is like the midpoint narratively. And so I thought that that was really cool. Also, there's so much that he seeds um, through everything, right? All these little um, moments that, right, watching it again, you're like, oh, this is where this is brought up and this is where that is brought up. And it just like, this is a movie ultimately that's meant to be watched multiple times. Um, and that was really evident the second time around. Um, Can't agree more yeah. about that, man. Can't agree yeah. more. And yeah. and as you might feel like, wow, I'm going to watch a three hour uh, like three hour biopic that's super talky twice. Yes, because mm-hmm. the way that it's cut, yep, and the the way that the 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 scenes are short and the pacing and the way that the music like moves it and and builds from scene to scene and everything, it feels like an action movie. And there is literally one scene where the action is not like conversation, whereas where yeah. the action is not dialogue. It's it's, it's incredible achievement. Yeah, it's insane that this is like a movie about a bunch of men sitting around talking for like except for one scene and the one scene, right, the the bomb test, like you said, very subversive because it's completely or it's not completely silent. By the way, that build up is incredible, right? It's the moment that everybody's been waiting for. Everyone knows exactly what's going to happen. Also, very quickly about that, it is absolutely bananas to me that they were like well it's like there there's a there's a possibility that we could ignite the atmosphere and blow up the world with this test and they're like how sure are you they're like that i'm like 80 percent sure it's like i don't know to me that's just like it's just wild that that's actually that's actually real but in terms of the film itself that they it's just such a tear to to steal the words right out of your mouth an absolutely incredible achievement to build that type of anticipation and for it to absolutely just deliver. And it's not just an achievement in the way that you, you come, you walk out of a movie and you just say like, I admired that. Right. There are some movies that like, that are like that where you'd walk it, maybe like the, you might say like the tree of life is kind of like that where you're just sure. like, you know <laughs> yeah. what? That was really artistic. Uh, that was but really like something Terrence, but you like, you don't get it and you don't feel it necessarily, or you're not mm-hmm. able to like access how you feel it. This movie, right. you, you feel it and you oh. can access what you're thinking about. It makes you think, and that's mm-hmm. kind of leads into what I, my next question was is yeah. I feel like one of the coolest things about this movie is that it has so many different themes, so many different messages, so many different things it's trying to say or things that you, that you can just take from it. So I'm curious to what you think, or what the biggest themes that kind of echoed for you were? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think there, so a couple ones just sort of off the cuff, what, what I've been thinking about as I've, as I've reflected on it. There is, um, call it Pandora's box, right? Where there is something, right? Creating something that ends up like getting outside of your control and maybe outside of everybody's control, but still feeling a certain sense of responsibility for it, right? I loved, I loved the Prometheus quote at the beginning, right? The his auto or not his autobiography, but his bio- biography that the movie is it drew so much material from is called American Prometheus, and it's just that myth is so apt, right? Everyone knows it. I'm just going to say it again because I just it's so wild to me how how much this applies, but Prometheus stole fire from the gods and gave it to mankind. And for that, he was like punished for, for all of eternity. Um, And so there's this, there's this huge theme of there's, there's an excitement to it, right? There's this palpable buzz, right? And it, it, that was, that was a great, I mean, I'm going to say that about like every scene, but there's that great scene when um, he gets the newspaper about the atom splitting about the, the German scientists who split the atom. And he's with uh, Lawrence. Shout out to Josh Hartnett, who is not dead yet, apparently. Yeah, he's, he did not die in Pearl Harbor. <laughs> he, he did he not. survived. <laughs> Contrary to everybody, everybody thinking he was dead. Josh Hartnett is still alive. 
turned in a great performance, honestly. Absolutely phenomenal performance as Dr. Lawrence. Um, but as, as, uh, as Killian, or, you know, as Oppenheimer says there, right, like, oh, you know what this means, right? This, th- like, this means the bomb. This, like, this means the bomb. And there was this, this um, palpable sense of working towards something and achievement. I think achievement is another really big theme in the movie, right? Where it's, it's Oppenheimer's achievement, but it's also the achievement of the United States. It's the achievement of the scientists there and then reckoning with that achievement. Well, yeah, and the question is like, because uh, at certain points you learn that a lot of the scientists did not want the bomb to be mm-hmm. used. Yep. Um, especially once Germany was out of the war, it was like mm-hmm. literally the only reason we were doing this is so that we could keep the Germans from doing it to us, right? So why mm-hmm. are we doing it now? Um, so then it turns, but then they're still excited about the achievement to some extent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, is achievement and scientific progression a worthy goal in and of itself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even no matter like what the consequences are. Mm-hmm. And then there's that dealing, the reckoning, I think is another, another big theme of, of the movie where everybody, and th- I think this is an oversimplification, but you'll see where I'm going with it, that how excited everybody was to work on the project, right? Even though there were certain people who had different moral qualms, like throughout it, there was still a palpable, sense of of buzz and excitement and everything right i i thought that it was it was absolutely i i really appreciated the scene where it caught everybody right after the test just cheering right so back to that first theme of of achievement right there's this cheer of like yes like we did it we did it before the germans we did it before the russians we got it in the bag and there's just like oh yeah like we got it and then um even even though Right. Even though there was that sense of like, oh, we, you know, built something that right. Like, I, I think that Oppenheimer with that quote, right, that I become death, the destroyer of worlds, even knowing how deadly this thing was. And everybody sort of in theory knew. And that that's another theme I think that we can we can draw on a big thing that they talked about. Theory will only get you so far. And so they saw the awesome power of the bomb. They were excited, excited about it. And then they saw the awesome power of the bomb, right? Theory will only get you so far. And so they see the explosion, they practice like, oh man, this is, this is, wow, this is, we did it with everything there. And then to see the destruction that it wrought upon everybody, right? Absolutely brilliant move from Nolan to not show um, like the explosion or the aftermath of the explosion, but to see um, Oppenheimer like reckon with it to watch Oppenheimer watch what he had wrought absolutely brilliant move right to yeah to, to, to do that yeah yeah I feel like uh I feel like there's been a, a there was an initially a little you know there's always whenever something is big enough there's always a backlash and then the backlash to the backlash <laughs> and I feel like the backlash on social media at the beginning was was like a couple people being like uh I can't believe he made a movie about the atomic bomb and there were no Japanese people in it. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and the, the response, the reasonable response to that was one Japanese people have been making movies about this for a hundred years now. Yeah. Almost 80 years. So Mm -hmm. watch their movies. Right. Um, uh, And two, um, yeah, the, it's another subversion. Um, mm-hmm. that we don't see the images of Hiroshima ourselves. Um, we see uh, Oppenheimer's kind of internal visualizations of them. And we see mm-hmm. the group watching them uh, in, a, in a little kind of uh, projector theater, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, I think the coolest uh, part of that was, in, there's a, the, I think the, probably the, the scene that's sort of the crux of the movie or maybe the most powerful image of the movie is when Oppenheimer has to give a speech to mm-hmm. a crowd of yep. people waving American flags, celebrating the dropping of the bomb. And he, he convinces himself to give those people the speech they want to hear, which is, you know, I wish we could have done this to the Germans and I'll bet the Japanese didn't like it and all this stuff. Right. Um, but in, in the midst of all of their clapping and cheering, he is haunted. Uh, mm-hmm. by by what happened by by the effects of of his labor 
Um, and I went, the thing I noticed the second time is that none of the scientists are in that room are in that crowd. Mm-hmm. That crowd is full of, of no name interchangeable, you know, middle-class cannon fodder who just feel like they, uh, who, who are detached, right. Yes, who didn't, yeah. who have not seen, do not know what the bomb looks like when it goes off. We're not part of the process of, of building it. Obviously we're not in Hiroshima, have not seen those images. Um, that's, that's how our, that's, that's how I kind of, evil and power works is through kind of um, exploiting our detachment to get us to support things that we wouldn't support if we were close to them. Right. Yep. Um, yep. But then, and then he walks out of the theater and the first person he sees is the first scientist you see in the scene and he's vomiting. Yep. Um, yep. I think it's just so powerful. So powerful. Um, <laughs> back to the consequences thing. I just wanted to get yep. this take out there because mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who are like who are interpreting the apple at the beginning in oh, different ways. Interesting. Right? Okay. Um, there's a there's there's Adam and Eve talk. Sure. Um, uh, Adam Neyman uh, on the Ringer said something uh, wrote something about how Oppenheimer is both Adam Eve and the snake. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, right. Like the the don't lift the stone unless you're ready for yeah, the stone to be exactly. Yep. And it's like creation. A lot of people are looking at creation myth stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I, my take on that, um, and w- the, that scene where basically Oppenheimer injects and his, uh, his professors or his tutor's apple with cyanide and tries to poison him, um, is that that scene is in some ways, I think my, the prism through which I see the whole movie, which is <laughs> he injects it with cyanide when he's in this moment of kind of frenzied fury against mm-hmm. his tutor. He goes home. He has time to think about it. Um, he realizes what happened or what he did. And he runs back and he throws the apple in the trash before anybody can eat it um, mm-hmm. and get poisoned. And he's able to do that just in time. He pulls the apple out of Niels Bohr, famous <laughs> scientist's uh, hand and throws it in the trash and, and nobody was affected by it. So basically he has avoided the consequences of his choices. Um, and I think the rest of the movie, or at least the movie after um, chronologically after Hiroshima is him doing everything he can to try to throw the apple in the trash, right? Mm-hmm. Trying mm-hmm. to, trying to erase the consequences of his choices, erase the harm before it can happen. Um even, you know, even in the moments leading, leading up to Hiroshima, you can tell to some extent he's racking his brain, potentially, you know, mm-hmm. he, he, it's, he's shot at home, just waiting to hear on the radio. Um, and that he's, he, you know, uh, the, the um, what's, it, what's the general, what's Matt Damon's general's oh, Le- name? Le- uh, Le- Leslie Groves. Gross, yeah. So he's waiting yeah. for a call from Gross because he wants Gross to keep him updated on what they're doing with the bomb and, and gross doesn't call him until it's already over. Yeah. And to, and I, 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 I think the message, or at least to some extent, the message is in this instance, he injected the apple with, with the cyanide. And at that point it was too late. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, he mm-hmm. was powerless to control the chain reaction. Um, yep. Uh, and the ripples, obviously, that are shown at the beginning and throughout the film. And every time you see water, there's there's drops falling on it, ripples. Um, yep. Just bas- basically like what you said about Pandora's box. But um, just the fact that everybody can watch this movie and take so many different things from it. This is not The Dark Knight. Um, no. no. You know, as, as great as The Dark Knight is, this is a different thing that Nolan is giving us. That where the where the ideas are actually the point instead yes. of the, instead of the plot or the mechanics or the action, the or ideas the are moral. actually what exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's been something great about this movie. And it's been such a, it's not fun per se, cause it's not necessarily a fun conversation, but it's prompted. I've really liked asking people the question, would you have dropped the bomb? Right. And I don't think that there's a right or a wrong answer to that question because of it just, un- there's so much to unravel and there's so much to like 
think through and to talk about it. Ultimately, it doesn't really matter because it's something that's outside of our control. Um, but it has so many implications, both historically and for the modern world, like in the world that we live in right now. And that's the point, I feel like, that and Nolan was not subtle about making that point, especially like at the end of the movie in that moment. So that scene at the end between him and Einstein is fictional. There were some, and, and I really appreciate this about the movie, there were a lot of lines of actual dialogue, like firsthand accounts that they embedded in the movie, and they obviously recontextualize it, and that's, and that's fine. Um, the scene between him and Einstein at the pond is, is, is a fictional scene, and I really like it because that is Christopher Nolan making his statement and making his thesis like, like at, at, at that point. And in no uncertain terms, right, he, he's like, to me, what I, I felt like what Nolan was saying right there, and maybe this is a moral message, maybe, maybe it isn't. I, honestly, I just think it's a fact. And it's that we are sitting on, uh, the world is sitting on a pile of gunpowder and all it needs is a spark. And that is something to really, that's something worth reflecting on. As the Joker once said, as he burned a pile of money, everything burns. <laughs> everything everything uh. burns, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, and, and that is worth thinking about. I also love, you know, I love that the, that the movie asks a lot of questions and, um, and, 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 leaves a lot up to personal interpretation, um, but also isn't afraid to put its finger on the scales. Like I think when you, when you talk about the question of whether the bomb should have been dropped, this is not what that podcast is. This is not not what this podcast is about. We are, we are heavily, heavily underqualified to address that question. Um, But, um, but I think, I think the movie makes, subtly makes the case that at least there was there was a lot of reason for hesitance hesitancy um mm, that absolutely. was uh, that was available to the decision makers it's not it's not hindsight it was mm-hmm. there were people in the know at the time um trying to stop this from happening um mm-hmm. but the powers that be obviously um uh, didn't were not listening to them um I, that's the cool thing it's like people are comparing this movie to JFK um, I, I actually, no, it's a really cool comparison because JFK is another three hour, mm-hmm. just absolutely frenetically edited, um, kind of, uh, uh, argument about a historical com- conspiracy. Um, mm-hmm. and now that one is, uh, I think a lot more, uh, uh speculative. Spe- yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot more, a lot controversial, very gentle for maybe, uh, <laughs> what the hell for, for what sure yeah um that's the cool thing about Oppie is that it's all it all happened you know yeah. um yeah. and but um but there's a way to read this movie as being a political film right oh, sure um, absolutely and, and it absolutely is one um which is mm-hmm. also something that 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 nolan has always been very hesitant to to do outside of the uh Occupy Wall Street messages and <laughs> The Dark Knight Rises, <laughs> but um, that's the that's the coolest thing about it to me is that like it feels like it's it feels like I feel like this is the movie that makes Christopher Nolan undeniable. Um, oh yeah, yeah. It was really cool to see Robert Downey Robert Downey Jr. say this is the finest film that I've I've been a part of, right? And obviously, right, yeah. th- this is – what's interesting too is that like Marvel – I mean and Marvel has its, has its place in it, you know, understanding. Um, and this, this movie, like you were saying, right, makes, makes Chris Nolan like undeniable. And oh, I think that that's what I was going to say. This movie is fantastic in, in a way, like, like fantastic in that like we're dealing with like nuclear weapons, Right. Yeah. Like in those, and there's like an awesome power behind it. And something like, something like Marvel and, and fiction, right? Like we're so used to seeing explosions in like Marvel movies, right? Or we're used to seeing, oh, like Thanos, like half, wiping out half of humanity or whatever the ratio was. I don't remember. Um, and, and, and these things that are like, oh, right. And this is fiction. And I think the thing that, that something like Oppenheimer presents to you, um, is like, oh, this, like, like the awesome power that we are sitting on right now, right, right now. This is like within our lifetimes, 
and this is a point that I've, I've, it's been just interesting talking to different people about this, right? Our parents' generation grew up in the Cold War, and I feel like nuclear annihilation was much more in the public consciousness than, call it the 60s, 50s, 60s. Definitely, definitely. A little, bit, a little bit of 70s. And the last several decades, it's not really something that like you and I had to worry Like the 90s, you can pretty say, right, really nobody was, at least in the public consciousness, the public consciousness was not worried about about nuclear annihilation in the same way of previous generations, right? In part because there's no other side to the mutually assured destruction right now, or at right. least they're, they're not, there's not an easily identifiable enemy who would shoot back if right. we started the shooting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. Obviously, there are plenty of people who would shoot back, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly, um, right? And, and now, right, with, um, with, with uh, Putin invading Ukraine, that for from from what i understand right that was the most uh credible movement towards a nuclear event since like the cuban missile crisis and so it's really really worth thinking about and reflecting on oh wait a second this is the awesome power um and <laughs> using awesome in the same way that Ollivander did talking about voldemort right Yes. Um, right. Yes. He was. Um, and what, what, what was the exact word that Ollivander used? Oh, great! Right. He was like Voldemort was right. great, terrible. Yes, but great. But great. Right. Yeah. And it, it reminds yeah. me of the line in the movie. Um, you and I don't remember who it was that was telling Oppenheimer this, and I don't remember if this is an actual historical line or not. But it's still very yeah, you're not impressive. you're not self important. You're just important. <laughs> that's a really good line that, that that one was good but i was thinking of you gave them the you gave them the power to destroy themselves and they will respect you for it and and they, and then and then einstein tells them that they will punish him for it yeah um, yeah that was right? oh man this will they'll give you also a, a commentary on great men you know yes and, yeah, but yeah, yeah exactly that's the cool thing you know i the there are definitely some like some moments where you're like oh there's the nolan quip <laughs> there's yep. the Christopher Nolan quippiness. Um, yeah. but man, in this one, they hit, they just hit different. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the, you know, obviously the, the, the tying a bow on, on the end with the, with finally showing you what he and Einstein said to each other. Oh, and, so good. So incredible. good. Yes. And, and to, to, <clears throat> to, to kind of wrap this up on my end too, think about the progression of Nolan from, a movie like Memento to a movie like a movie, a movie like a movie like Oppenheimer, right? Where Memento so interpersonal, right? And very much a person, um, a man in his own world, right? And he can't really, he can't escape his own world. And that's like what he's, he's dealing with. And in a way Oppenheimer, right? The scale is so much bigger but also a very similar theme in a person who cannot escape the world that they created for themselves. And this so, is where, this is where yeah. he put all the tricks together. Yeah. I, th- I think he always had the ability to employ that, that interpersonal writing and that, that, mm-hmm. um, that storytelling. I mean, I think that's what makes the prestige. Um, mm-hmm. I consider his best movie because it's mm-hmm. about the relationships um, mm-hmm. be- specifically between these two or spoiler three men um, yeah. <laughs> um, but then but then this is where he, he uses that stuff from memento and the prestige and he combines it with the editing and the uh, from dunkirk um, mm-hmm. the time jumping mm-hmm. from dunkirk the the visual you know, uh, uh both editing and score and everything from tenet to some extent mm-hmm. um, and just the breakneck storytelling of the dark knight that yeah. this movie feels like the dark knight and and yet nobody punches anybody no right? nobody pu- um, it's, it's again it's we already said this but i'll just mention it again this is a movie about men sitting in rooms like talking to each other and it feels yeah. like you're just in the in the, the most it's the most gripping thing so really quick couple just rapid fire things mm-hmm. um so who's your starting five of actors in this movie? I'm putting you on the spot. Ooh, okay. So um, outside, yeah. there's no Murphy. You okay. can't say Murphy, uh, Robert okay. Downey Jr., or Emily Blunt. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. 
All right. Because this movie is deep. There's probably it probably oh, goes fifteen a... to twenty deep with yeah. recognizable actors and great actors giving just absolute fire performances. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so just I mean, so honestly, this is going to be like my top five, which is really like okay, just like thinking back on the performances, like who who do I remember? Right. That's yeah. sort of how how I'm going. Florence, right? Yes. Like obviously, yes. right? Like Florence just just brought it, and it was just. Devastating. This Devastating. it's like Florence Pugh's performance here. It's almost like this is a Wes Anderson movie where this guy convinced you know all of these actors to come in and be in like five <laughs> to ten minutes of the movie and throw <laughs> yeah. absolute heat, and they're totally cool with it. Um, yeah, it's um, insane F- having Florence Pugh in this movie. She's like one of the biggest <laughs> movie stars in the entire world. It's incredible, mm-hmm. and and yeah, for her to show up and it wasn't a bit part. It was an important part, no. right? But it wasn't like right. Like Killian Murphy was in almost every scene of this movie, yeah. which is absolutely wild. Um, yeah. but, but, but Florence, um, really showcased that side of, of Oppenheimer that we needed to understand. Right. And she, and she yeah. got it done in 10 minutes or however long it yes. was. So yes. just awesome. Great, great performance from Flo. Um, I'm trying to think. So, so far we're one for one on my, on my starting five. Yeah. Um, we're matched up one for one. Sure, I would say Condi um, as as Einstein. I would, okay, I would, okay. Yeah, I would take. Condi I didn't have him, but I like that. Yeah, again, he's and great. That's, yeah, oh, he's. he's you fantastic. you buy him as Albert Einstein, which is the craziest thing you could say. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Which is like yeah. so nuts. And there's so much about the audience understanding that you have to buy through Einstein in the movie, right? Because you could also like totally see those Einstein scenes as being like a cheap, like little bone to throw at the <laughs> audience. Be like, oh, you right. know who Einstein is. You may not know who Niels Bohr is, but you know who Einstein is. But they, mm-hmm. but they work. Yeah. Um, whoever the dude was. Oh gosh, Nichols. I thought. I thought Nichols. Oh, did. Dane DeHaan. Yeah, Dane yeah, DeHaan. Yeah, Dane. Yeah. I thought Dane DeHaan. He's playing like the Slugworth part. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. In this movie. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, but so good, right? Where like he just did a great job at showing um <sighs> counterpoint is the wrong word, right? But he was almost like uh like Dame like Matt Damon's dog in like in yeah, the movie, definitely. Right? right? Like showing up and just showing how like he was one of the mere mortals that Oppenheimer treated as such, right? Yeah, and just yeah. like how, yeah. So That's I thought, I, yeah, I thought that Dane, Dane DeHaan did did a fantastic job. I had him down as an honorable mention for sure. Honorable mention, okay. Um, so let's yeah. see. So I got two more, man. And there's the thing. There's just so many. Um, I, I would probably pick Safty as Teller. Yeah, dude. Um, he's awesome. Yeah, yeah he that he just, that accent yeah. could have gone so wrong, <laughs> yeah, but it worked. I mean, yeah, somehow some of the, the dude from Uncut Jams really, Uncut really, yeah, Uncut Jams, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just I bought him as a prima donna. I bought him as somebody who was important, um, somebody who really mattered to like the project. And yeah, I just I I thought that he was fantastic. Right when when yeah. when, when he was in a scene, I really paid attention. This this isn't my last pick, but it also, and this was a tweet that I saw that I absolutely captured how I felt. It was really strange watching this movie, and like, there's the Trinity test, and I'm engrossed in it, and all of a sudden I'm like, is that Josh Peck? Yes, <laughs> right. Like, like just just Josh is in this movie somehow, dude. Anyway. Just reclaiming all of our heroes from the yeah. 2000s. <laughs> yeah, all of seriously. our. Um. So yeah, my, I had Florence Pugh, Benny Safdie. Mm-hmm. Casey yep. Affleck. Yeah. How about Casey Pat, Affleck just, yeah, yeah, just being so menacing? Um, yes. And I feel like they held that casting back. Like, mm-hmm. uh, they, like they, they knew that we didn't really know he was in the movie. Because um, mm-hmm. when, when they first introduced him, you only see him from behind. And it kind of like yep. circles around the back of his head. And you're like, who is that? And then it's Casey Affleck. Um, yeah. If, which is funny because I feel like they're playing on him from like the assassination of Jesse James by right. the Carl is, Coward Robert Ford. Great incredible movie. movie. Great and movie. I feel like I feel like they're also playing on like his real life problematic like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, reputation too. Um, it, making him sort of the 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 ultimate kind of monster. 
of this mm-hmm. movie to some extent. Um, right. So I had him. I had Safty. Yep. Gary Old Gary Oldman, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just showing up. Just just absolutely like I it was crazy. It was crazy. Absolute to, heat for five minutes and he's gone. Yep, and then he's just he's then he's just out of there. Actually, so my last my last one, my actual last one is David Crumpholtz. Um, I would, that's my last yeah, one too. Yeah, yeah, David. Oh Crumpholtz. boy. He he did He's fantastic. the most human person in the movie. Yes, exactly. I was just gonna say that he's the most human person and he's the person Except who for I maybe think, Florence Pugh. Sure. I guess. But, but yeah. But but Crumholtz shows if if Gene shows Oppenheimer's not it's 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 just it's 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 not the most human side of him. It's just that dimension of like yeah. call it passion for yeah for, mm-hmm. yeah for for that, showing that side of him lust um, yeah lust yeah exactly <laughs> um uh Crumholtz shows Oppenheimer's um need for other people right those scenes very yeah. very small scenes when he's like here like he has a napkin and he's like here eat this right and he yeah. did that. Like the first time he met him and he did it like in the hearing. There's like, oh, he's somebody, he's a person and he needs to be taken care of like as well. And I thought that that Crumholtz just did that just phenomenally. Yeah, just the warmth. Like yep. he's he's the only person who you feel warm and friendly and sweet with in like yeah. the whole movie almost. Exactly. Uh, he's like, com- like a comfort blanket that comes into yeah. the, the movie. Yeah, he's so yep. great. But man, um and honorable mentions, I mean, Jason Clark as like a oh, pseudo prosecutor, just yeah. absolutely doing his thing. Yep. Um, I thought that was so cool how he starts like challenging Oppenheimer about the, about the casualty numbers when, you know, he doesn't mm-hmm. care at all. He's just trying right. to show Oppenheimer being hypocritical. Um, and then uh, I didn't know who this guy was, but I think, his, I think you say his name is Trond Fausa. Um, mm-hmm. He plays the um, the ignitions expert who bets Oppenheimer oh, yeah, that yeah, the ignition yeah. is going to work ten dollars <laughs> yep. versus a month's salary. Yep, um, yep. And then he's the only one that has to run out of the bunker to watch the explosion with his eyes. Right? Yep. Um, yep. He was that. He was he was great. Someone he who totally is going to be forgotten in this movie because he's like the twenty fifth most <laughs> yeah. like, impactful actor, but. Um, mm-hmm. I loved him, especially the second time. Um, yeah. Okay. Final final thoughts, um, implications on what Barbenheimer is going to do for movies. <laughs> what do, do we think this changed anything, or do we think this is just sort of a one-off uh, event? She was a punk. He did ballet. <laughs> <laughs> what, what more can I say? <laughs> wow. No, I think. I think so. You mentioned this earlier, right? We're gonna see all these Barbie knockoffs, but yeah, <laughs> shout out to the Barney movie. That's gonna be <laughs> sick. That's the one that's gonna work. Like that's gonna be Barney is gonna be my Barbie. <laughs> oh man, the the yeah, we we talked about that. Uh, the, the Polly Pocket movie, probably not so much. Hell uh, no. Absolutely <laughs> yeah, not. Yeah, no, can't, it's not gonna happen. But the thing about Oppenheimer is that you, you can't knock it off, right? Or yeah, like you you can't just like run this one back. The implication for movies and Nolan is so unique in this way, right? So you you talk about that like Greta Gerwig is gonna have her day of reckoning. Um, I don't. I, I hope that it shows that there. So I will say, I it's it's kind of funny because Warner Brothers may have put Barbie released Barbie on the same day as Oppenheimer to just like tell Christopher Nolan to suck it. But totally having that contrast um, really just sort of enhanced it. Um, And it it made it part of a moment. And the thing is you're not going to, and this is the thing that Hollywood doesn't really get right. You can't, you can't capture lightning in the bottle. You know what I mean? Like you, this worked because this was a story that Christopher Nolan that spoke to Christopher Nolan. And he's like, okay, there's something here. There's a story here that's like worth telling. Right. And it, you know, it didn't matter. And And he's someone who insists on making original films um, that are not, you know, uh, catering to the lowest common denominator in the audience. Like he makes his movies. And if you get them great, if you don't, you know, but that, but they're also meant to entertain. That's yes. the cool thing. Yes, all 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 the above, and so we're gonna get the knockoff Barbies. We we might even get the knockoff. I was reading somebody. I don't remember who on the Ringer was saying this, but like we might even get the 
oh, like Paw Patrol is getting released the same day as whatever, like the the new Saw movie. Saw, yeah, or, Saw yeah, Patrol. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, like, and, and or the right, killer on the same day as Killers of the Fat Flower Moon, so it's the killer of the Flower Moon. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. But and and the thing is, right, you can capture it in form, but you can't capture it in substance. Um, and so what if if, if anything, right? Like, I hope it just shows that there is like a hunger for i mean and i think barbie was absolutely i'm not mad at all that i saw it twice i'm really glad that i did um and and those are right to get the different contrasts in movies to to get quality films like out there right like movies i don't think that well and and the thing about barbie as well is that it's a well-made movie regardless so well made yeah regardless how you felt about it worth seeing all of the scenes where they're going back and forth from barbie land to the real world like that those could be out of a Wes Anderson movie. There mm-hmm. were scenes like that that were basically like in Bo is afraid, um, mm-hmm. with the same kind of way that way is shot in the effects. So uh, yeah, I Barbie. I feel like Barbie was a little broader because mm-hmm. they knew that they wanted some like fifteen year old girls to watch it. <laughs> yep. Um, but um, and and but it, it was just as thoughtful, um, just as mm-hmm. intentional, just as uh, impactful. Um, yeah. Uh, for the you know for the people that they were really making it for so yeah exactly and and there's room that's the thing too is that for movies there's so much room and creativity right for for like people love movies and room like just in in the cultural space for those types of stories right where you know not every movie needs to be like that superhero ip like all 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 that stuff right there's there's so much room and appetite and that's maybe if there's anything that i hope that's, that is ta- taken away from this is that there there's a, a broad palette and a broad appetite for for stories yeah if anything what we learned is that maybe there isn't so much room for super broad superhero like <laughs> cop- copy and paste movies anymore because people just want real movies turns yeah, out exactly um, give me give me a real movie I think the cynical take is that these movies were marketed extremely well <laughs> and extremely <laughs> aggressively. By accident, yeah. right? Because it's like yeah. the inter- the internet took it because it was pretty organic, right? I don't think and 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 whoever the executive was at Warner Brothers who decided to stick try and stick it to Christopher Nolan to release Barbie on the same day, absolutely did not see this coming, and it was just sort of serendipity. That's I, I couldn't put it any better than that, man. Uh, movies are back. We're back. I hope that. I, I I'll say, I'll finish with this. Um, yeah. The second time I saw Oppenheimer, um, I got as soon as it was over, I I had an instinct and I got out of my seat really as quickly as possible and got into the aisles so that as I walked down the stairs, I could look around and look at people's faces. Yeah. Um, yeah. Reacting to the end, and that was special. There was this one yeah. woman, mid- middle-aged woman, who was sitting there, hands in prayer, hands, mouth agape eyes thousand yard stare Mm -hmm. um it was one of the coolest things um and there was this other like 65 year old man that like was treating this movie like a superhero movie like he was like every time oppenheimer got like a little win against uh strauss he'd go (laughs) yeah you get him or whatever um yeah and then the way the way the theater would or the like huge parts of the theater would like cheer when Alden Ehrenreich would like get a little quip in against Strauss <laughs> at the yeah. end. Wild, wild to yeah. see people react that way two hours and 45 minutes into like a historical top talky epic, um, yeah, about science, like, <laughs> yeah, above just all things, yeah. Both of these movies were honestly just like a miracle, um, yes, absolutely. And I hope people kind of caught the fever a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. about going back to the movie theaters um let's let's ride this wave the way that you know ken tries to <laughs> tries to ride the wave at the beach <laughs> and then we will we will we will know that we're enough <clears throat> dan we have been technically podcasting about movies and entertainment for about seven years now even I though know. we've only done it about three times total <laughs> But you know what? Here, here we are. Here we are, Jay. We, we, we're still here. And if no one listens to this, then who cares? Because we did it. We so, did it. And the, the ripple effects will be felt. To paraphrase Tracy Jordan, jokes on you because we still didn't get paid for this. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know who got paid? Christopher Nolan and Greta Gerwig. And Let's bless go. you. Our Get King them checks. Our absolutely. Our King and Queen, Christopher Nolan, Greta Gerwig. Absolutely. Dan, the Greta Gerwig to my Christopher Nolan. I'll take it. It's been a been a wonderful <laughs> night. Um, absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll see you when we talk about basketball in a few days, buddy. Exactly. Okay, man. See ya. Later.